We welcome back to the show today, Mark Dunderland, Stuart Roberts. How are you doing today, Mark? Uh, very well, thank you. Yeah, good to be back. Good, good. Doing a little dance on screen, which is nice. Stu, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I was just watching Mark's little dance on screen as well. So yeah, I'm really good. It's been a, it's been a long time, so I've been itching to uh, itching to get back on a podcast with you guys. So uh, yeah, it's it's good to be here. Yeah, and we are really on the home straight. This is the seventh episode of twelve of the UWF the final year. So we've only got what five to go. Uh, is this episode seven? Five. I've got all out of my my numbers. What what month is it? July. This is episode seven. Yeah. So we've got August, September, October, November, December. Five to go. Yes. So my math was correct in the first instance. Uh, yes. I, I've worked in a certain industry my whole life, and you think my maths would be slightly better than that, but they're obviously not. Um, we've got we've got two cats invading uh the podcast. Do you watch your? I can't remember what your, what's your cat called again. Uh, Mia. Mia, I've got Mia and Mabel joining the party. Mabel's been very naughty here, walking under my microphone. Um, anything to talk about? Do you want to talk about any current stuff before we get on to UWF? Um, Stu, I know you're still very much enjoying the Bloodline story. Oh, Happy God. Oh, it's just been... I, I, I might go on at a limit and say it's probably been the, been the best storyline ever, I'd say. It's unbelievable that the, longe- the longevity of it is is just amazing. And it just seems to get better and better week on week i mean yeah amazing amazing stuff so looking forward to seeing uh where a few twists and turns i'd like to see what i what i'd like to see play out whether this happens or not i don't know i'd like to see rikishi somehow come into the storyline uh i'd like to i i i think if he did that uh, and Reigns attacked him that might throw open what sikoa does and and it just opens up another another layer to this already it's like an onion isn't it you just keep peeling layers and layers back so um so i would like to see some of the elders come into the equation at some point because i think that will carry on a little bit um i've sort of like moved away i think from from the rock and and reigns at next year's wrestlemania i'm not sure that's going to happen now um so um i i i my prediction is his reigns will retain the title right through till WrestleMania, and then I think probably at some point have a rematch with Cody Rhodes, where then both stories come to a natural a natural conclusion. Yes. What are you? What are your thoughts on all that, Mark? Uh, as far as the Bloodline storyline, I've I've there's been a few points since it first happened in Montreal with the Sami Zayn match. There's been a few points where I've thought, okay, it's peaked, it's it's fizzling out a bit. Only one or two weeks pass before something else happens, and and it perks my interest again. I mean, the last couple of weeks now, Solo's giving the odd look to Roman and the odd gesture to Roman. You don't know exactly. I mean, he's he's attacked his brothers, so in theory, he's definitely on Roman's side. But does he want to be Roman's number two, or does he want to be in charge? And um, yeah, Jimmy and Jay. I mean, that that, that I think it might be my favorite moment of the whole year-long story uh, where Jay told Jimmy, okay, you're out of the bloodline and I'm out too. And that double super kick, I mean, Roman went down like a sack of spuds. He he, he made them look better than they've ever looked. And, it, and I, it got me right back into it again, for not for the first time. So I'm really enjoying it. As far as WrestleMania next year goes, I, I, I have no idea whether they can keep it going till then or, or who, if Roman's champion... I've said it in the last, I think, two podcast appearances. Can they get Ro- Cody back to the level he was at at this year's WrestleMania 
for how important it was for him to win. Hopefully they can. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect there will be a point in time where um, it makes sense for Roman still to be champion. But I still, I'm still of the firm belief that everything that's happened in this story could have happened exactly the same way, but Roman lost to Cody. Because yeah. I don't, I don't believe that Rome. I don't think if they make his belief one second that Jey Uso is going to win that title at SummerSlam, then I think they've done a, a, an exemplary job. But I think we, it's more, it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be some sort of interference. It's going to be a screwy finish, and I kind of seen it. And, and I've, I, I am enjoying it. I, but I think, I think actually both sides of the story, you can do exactly the same, but with Cody. Yeah. Win the win the title, lose it to Brock maybe if you want to, and you have to do that big long title. Not every title reign's got to be long, and then do their rematch at SummerSlam when you know Cody wins the first and Brock wins the second one, then Brock loses the title back. That's the only thing I have a problem with because I, I I don't see that there's anyone other than Cody that's going to win that the win that title if they can get Cody you know back up to the point he um he was. I I think they can because I think you've got to, if anything has given me a bit of belief now that storylines are you know that they can deliver on good storylines you know we've had some we've had some a bit garbage for the last couple of years and I, and I really think that they're delivering on this so I do believe they can get Cody back up to those levels I'm not necessarily saying a Cody Royal Rumble win will do that because I think whoever wins the Royal Rumble will challenge if Seth Rollins is still champion and stuff like that but for me, it has to be Cody and, and Reigns at WrestleMania just to just to finish both those both those storylines off. Reigns takes sabbatical, you know, and stuff like that. But it, it's just going to be interesting to see where, you know, uh, 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 and I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't end up with Jay versus Jimmy at WrestleMania either. Possibly, I think there's I think there's ways to go. I mean, don't, don't get yeah. me wrong; it's 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 been enjoyable, and I, and I thought I was kind of done with WWE after. WrestleMania, but I am, you know, I do, I do watch the segments of SmackDown, and I do, I do largely enjoy them, and I watched all the Money in the Bank. It was a really fun show. So we'll see, we'll see where we get to. Uh, uh, I, I thought Money in the Bank was an unbelievable pay per view. I just mm. wish, wish could have been there because it was, just, yes. just, you know, for the first three or four matches, you got a surprise every time, and it was, it was great. I suppose we can't go out without talking about Cena's pledge to get WrestleMania to the UK. I, I, we can't not touch on that. Um, is it going to happen? I don't think there's a cat nails chance it was, it's going to happen, if I'm being perfectly honest, because, you know, the only place I could think that they could do it is would be in Cardiff with the closed roof stadium, because, you know, you can't you can't rely on the weather at that time of year, can you? Um, well, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see SummerSlam over here. In 2025 might be a bit of a, a punt for for that, but I, I just can't see them doing a two day WrestleMania show in the UK. But I don't I, know what I, you guys think? I actually, I actually talked about this. There's a show coming out on Sunday for the Random Wrestling Review. We talked about this subject, and I actually think they do want to do it. I actually think they legitimately want to bring WrestleMania to London because I think that they see, you know, they talk about, um, you know, AEW is not competition and blah, 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 blah. But they, they absolutely are. They see, they've seen what's happened here. They've seen that AEW going to do, what are they going to do? 83,000, 84,000 in Wembley because they haven't announced a match yet. And I suspect they will do at least one match that sells some tickets, um, sell some more tickets um, on top of what they've done. And WWE want to go in there and smash that. They want to go in there and, and, and they will. They'll sell out Wembley at much higher ticket prices for two nights of WrestleMania. But the barrier is, uh, I don't think the weather's a barrier. I think you can do it on the 10th of April or whatever. We we've we sat outside at New York in 
April, didn't we? Which is very similar climate. Yeah, they're doing, they're doing Philadelphia next year outdoors with no roof, and there's not even a roof over. And it wasn't a roof at MetLife over the the stands. There's no roof outside Philadelphia again. That's just as bad. So I think they. I don't think the weather's so much of a of an issue. Um, I don't think the time, the start time's an issue. What they want, London. I don't even know who this would be. They want the the, the UK government or the London Tourist Board to pay them a fee to get WrestleMania in. That's why Cardiff That's the bit I was just going to bring up. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not a case of WWE going where they want to go. The place has to put in money and other things to WWE to host them, to have the privilege of hosting WrestleMania. It's not a case of they go where they want. It's different cities, huge cities all over the world do want mm. WrestleMania and whether London are one of them or not, that remains to be seen regardless of what to send John Cena out. You think it's like a bidding process, like the Olympics is and stuff like yeah. that? They, they have to bid. To say the Clash of the Castle thing was, it was either Cardiff or London and Cardiff put a more attractive offer in, I believe. Yeah, right. absolutely. Because okay. they'll, they'll, the they'll get the ticket money regardless. Um, yeah, I mean, I I heard a, a thing that, um, that London is the most visited tourist city in Europe. So London doesn't need WrestleMania. Yeah. So I think that's what it's going to come down to. But there's this government body that's li- that looked at kind of the speaking out stuff uh, and, and trying to sort of regulate pro wrestling regulates probably the, not the right word but kind of oversee pro wrestling in the uk and like the how safeguarding all that sort of stuff and and that is that is in the government and they were talking about this after john the john cena stuff to say we really want this to happen so it remains to be seen but there's i i think up to this point there's never been a chance right now there is a chance and i think they want to do it i think they as i said i think they want to come in whatever AEW has done with their gate. And AEW has a, has a, depending on what you think about WrestleMania 3, and again, I said I this, I actually dispute the Dave Meltzer number because if you look at the tape, the Pontiac Silverdome is full and, and it was sold out the, da- the day before WrestleMania 3 with all the luxury boxes and the Meltzer number that for, for American football, it did more than the Meltzer number. So I'm not sure I believe that. I think the truth is somewhere probably in between the 93 and the 78. But if you take that Meltzer number, AEW at Wembley is going to be the be the biggest attended wrestling show in terms of paid for tickets in history. And WWE want to go in there, and they can do they can do one hundred eighty thousand people in that stadium with a small stage over two nights, and they'll do it. Um, yeah, that's that's what I think. Any any more thoughts on that before we move on to one other subject before we talk about UWF? Just better start saving our pennies because it ain't going to be cheap. <laughs> I reckon it's a thousand pounds minimum to get lower lower tier uh, for two nights. I think it, it's it's. It's noteworthy that they've actually sent somebody out on television to suggest it. There's always been rumours, and John Cena used to do this at house shows on the UK tour to get a big pop at the end of the night. But actually sending him out specifically for that reason on a pay-per-view, you've got to think there's more to it than just, Mm. just floating the idea. 100%. Well, let's keep fingers crossed, but that'll be some weekend. Yes, it will (laughs) be. All right, stay at yours, Stephen, yeah. I think you know what I think. I feel like we should get an Airbnb somewhere for that in London. Just get like a get like a even if it's like some somewhere in North London when you get a train down to Wembley in like twenty minutes. That's yeah. we talked about doing that maybe for next year's WrestleMania in terms of watching it, didn't we? But I yeah. think that's yeah, that's be, that's, that's, that, that's what we should do. Um, Mark, just we, do, we, do, we do need to sorry, talk sorry, about kids. We do need to talk about kids coming though because they might be a little bit older. And I know Max, right. is, very oh, much, yeah. Max yeah. is very much into wrestling now. He's like, yeah, so it's yeah, like, that's fine. That's all good. All good as far yeah. as I'll keep my swearing <laughs> under control. Lewis was trying to convince me to go to Philadelphia with his daughter for WrestleMania next year. He's like, oh, can't you get Charlotte to come? And I'm like, 
pretty sure that all of my negotiations for going to wrestling in America are, are done, I'm afraid. But we'll, yeah, yeah, expired. It's exact. Uh, if I get Taylor Swift tickets for her, then maybe <laughs> I'll get one more pass. Um, Mark, got to ask a question while we're on. This podcast is probably going to come out in 48 hours time. What, how are you feeling about AEW at Wembley? And are we going to get shafted on the card? Because that's the, how I'm feeling about it at the moment. I have to say that that's how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm mm. a bit, I mean, it's it's that thing about them having a proper pay-per-view literally yeah. one week after this show. Um, I, I just haven't got the confidence in Tony Khan to put, to put on a, an unforgettable once-in-a-lifetime card that this night in one of the world's most iconic sporting stadiums deserves in my opinion but Big time. of course it does yeah absolutely. But i am confident that most if not all of the talent that appear on the show will treat it as the special occasion it is um i mean it, it's going to be the largest crowd pretty much everyone on AEW's roster will probably ever perform for with a handful of exceptions like there's a few there who were at wrestlemania 32 in 2016 which allegedly had a hundred thousand people but Besides that, there are literally only 21 people alive today who can say they've wrestled at Wembley Stadium. Wow. So I reckon a lot of people in AEW will see this as one of the biggest nights of their life, but never mind their career, um, getting added to that very short list. Is uh, Brian Danielson going to be fit? Questionable, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. questionable. It's, it's, That'd it's be quite... real. That'd be a real shame, that. Because we're only talking about, what are we talking about now? Seven weeks, I think? Six or seven weeks? Which is not, I mean, which feels Ron, mad. Ronda Rousey had a similar injury and wrestled at this year's WrestleMania and she barely did anything. So you could put yeah. Danielson in a, mm. in a match like that. So, Mark, I've got a, a leading question I'm not, you've not, I, I've not prepped you in advance for. Forget any, any infighting. Forget people who should be grown-ups and are not sniping <laughs> behind people's backs and just being... Idiots! I could. I was. I was choosing my words carefully there. You top two matches. At, what would you do? If you're in charge. You can get anyone versus anyone. Top two matches at, at all in. I'd put the two top guys in the company against each other, Punk and Omega. Yeah, uh, that'd be my number one. Uh, besides that, what would you do for the title? Yeah, that I'm not. I'd, I'd be tempted to put Osprey against MJF. Yeah, the hometown guy against the biggest heel in the company. And obviously, he's not going to win it. He's not contracted to AEW. But I think it would be a fantastic match. And um, uh, You need to have that moment, though. This is this is the thing, isn't it? We all know what the moment was at SummerSlam, don't we? It was it, yeah, all done. Yeah. Uh, 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 but again, it's I, this... I, I'm not going to sit here and be a proficionado in, in an AEW because I don't watch it that much. But I don't feel there's any... I hope there is... But I, I, I'm a bit thinking, what's that big moment going to be? Do you know what I mean? And, and and for me, it would be MJF losing the title to whoever that may yeah. be. Yeah, all right, you can win it back in a week's time. It, it, like you said, it's not about necessarily about the longevity of a title. It's about the moment, isn't it? It's the pop. It's that, wow, I was there for that moment, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't get a feeling that, that I might be wrong, and I hope I am wrong. Um, but I think it needs I think it needs MJF to lose that title to have that 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 moment if you know what I mean yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean I think again I've, I'm, I feel like I'm repeating myself because I said all this stuff yesterday so if you listen to both shows you're going to hear me say this again but Will Ospreay's got a hell of a lot to get through to get to to all mm. in he's got the G1 and he's got Shingo the night before but if it was me I would absolutely do Punkin at Omega and I would do 
MJF versus Osprey, Kerry Von Eric, Texas Stadium. He wins a title and he loses it back a week or so later. Even the dynamite before all out, I don't care. Just give us the moment. And I, th- I think to, to kind of put a bow on this, when we find out where this is airing, which can't be too far away because they need to get advertisements out and, and stuff like, if it's going to be live on TNT or TBS in the afternoon in America and it's going to be live on ITV4 here, which I've heard no rumours on, but just presuming that they must be working on that because I would have thought, I think it's a 6.30pm start, that I would have thought if you're flicking through the channels, there's an, there's an advert in... I don't know, the sun or whatever, and it's resting at Wembley Stadium and it's you know pretty much sold out. I would have thought you'd get some eyeballs on that. If you get that, I think they're throwing everything at it. If it's 4 99 or 10 quid on Fight TV and it's the Warner Brothers Discovery, it's on HBO Max or something in America or some nonsense like that, we're getting, we're getting stiffed at Wembley, I'm afraid. And that is, yeah. that is kind of what it is. The, the curious thing for me is you'd presume that close to it, they will already have a bit of a card mapped out for All Out, even announced mm. on TV for what the All Out matches are. And then that's going to give you some indication as to what, whenever the, whatever the matches are at All In, you can sort of have an idea of how they're going to, what the outcomes are going to be, because they're going to have the big pay per view for the American audience, which is the bigger deal in the grand scheme of things from their point of view, not from our point of view. Yeah, I think it's. I think it possibly you possibly might get MJF versus Adam Cole all in, and then the winner faces the winner of CM Punk versus somebody in Chicago, and that's how you get there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's a pipe dream at this point to, to hope for. I think you can hope, but I've got no expectation that Osprey is going to be in a match because it would have been so easy to do something in the Kenny Omega match to build to a third, and they didn't do that. That was that was the match, wasn't it? Yeah. Kenny retained in in Canada in some. Oh, they do a draw. They did 30 whatever minutes. Just do a draw. But, you know, that'd have to have gone 60 for that. But, yeah, well, perhaps I should move on from that. Anything <laughs> else to add before we talk about um, Wonderful World of the UWF? No. Nope. No, right. We're getting back in our time machines today to review three shows um, from the start of the heady summer of 1987. And up first, the May the 30th, 1987 offering. And in a very exciting development, we had some new graphics to open the show, along with the classic Mid-South music. Jim Ross with Magnum Seat ringside. And during the hour, we would have Dr. Death Steve Williams versus number two in the rankings, Eddie Gilbert, albeit last week uh, when these rankings were announced, Ted DiBiase was actually number two. So I wonder if in between last week's show being taped and this one, the future Million Dollar Man gave his notes. And I suspect that probably is the case. Uh, Magnum gave a background on Steve Williams and then Ross did the background on Gilbert. I like this uh, as it built up what was on coming. Stu, first, what do you think of this opening? Yeah, I, I really liked it. I, I yeah, I you know <laughs> they do wax lyrical, don't they, about Doctor Death? So it was actually nice to see that balance with Jr. Uh, giving it about Eddie Eddie Gilbert. I wasn't. I was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure about Magnum TA on commentary, but he he certainly grew on me throughout the uh, throughout the program. So uh, yes. so yeah, no, it was it was it was a good it was a good opening. It set the scene for uh, well, I'll give you my thoughts on the episode later, but it set the scene for the uh, for the for the show. Absolutely, Mark. Yeah, I mean. Magnum's mullet and moustache combo were on point. It was lovely stuff. Um, <laughs> and yeah, J- Jim Ross always, I mean, I've put sort of put my notes later about how supportive Jim Ross is for Dr. Death. I mean, he's, he's definitely his number one fan. But um, even Magnum, he put him over huge in this introduction and it, and it made it a bigger deal when the match came around. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's just nice to see Magnum. Have either of you seen the Magnum Dark Side from this series as of yet? I haven't seen any of the series yet. No, I haven't no. seen any yet. No, no. I'd say all of them. I haven't watched the Bash at the Beach one with I couldn't couldn't face Russo and uh, Bischoff arguing for forty five minutes. But I'd recommend them all. They're all on that Watch Wrestling uh, very legal site that um, we don't frequent any times. Uh, so we actually got an advert during the break. Williams Electric Shave, which should do a lot for me. Plus Angry Pete Rose is normal with his Tegrin shampoo. Um, we then got an insert promo from Skander Akbar and Big Bubba, this time in the uh, arena. And I have to say, at this point in my UWF journey, I could do without these. Akbar called the ratings the bottom 10. And he said no one could climb that mountain. They could all be in the ring at the same time and no one could do it. He said the general and devastation are number one. He said he had all the gold and the biggest brain. And just I, I just don't like Skander Akbar. Always too long. Round and round in circles. Just dull. Mark, anything to add on? This not A1 promo for Mr. Akbar. My notes pretty much echo yours, and I've said it my last few appearances on here. It, uh, basically, he said nothing, and he never does. Yeah. Yeah. Stu? Yeah, no, nothing to add. Just a load of just regurgitation, same old, same old. Good work. <laughs> Very nice. You did you did, uh, you did, did miss an advert, though. We had, we had an advert for Champion with Dave Vera Lynn's Will Meet again, which I thought oh, was God. slightly bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bizarre advert or well, not a bizarre advert a bizarre songs to put on the advert it was I yeah know. so um yeah the guy in it played joey's dad in friends as well the adverts oh, really? yeah the adverts yeah. get the adverts get better and better i can't wait to talk about the laser beam wristwatch so oh you're yeah. very welcome to because i've seen them i'm not going to say much but you just jump in with anything yeah that that tegrin shampoo one pete rose had retired from professional baseball in november 86 so i guess he was Getting whatever offers he whatever he could TV in eighty seven, big time. Uh, Williams then came out and Ross said Gilbert had a special announcement. He was stood there with Dick Murdoch and said that he would be in his corner for the match against Williams. Eddie called him the greatest wrestler alive. Uh, Dick said he'd known him for years. He'd been working out with him, and he's the only man in the world he's ever shown the brainbuster to. Remember, lock him up, drop him on his head, and pin him. Tricky. Eddie said he'd beat Williams, then they'd go and get the world title and drink a beer. Uh, Gilbert had on very Bret Hart style shades. Was that a Back to the Future thing, Mark? These uh, these sunglasses. Was that where they no. originated from? No, no, those sunglasses you're thinking of were in the Back to the Future sequel when he goes to 2015. Ah, uh, okay. Came out in '89, so no, ah, thing. don't think I've seen the sequel to Back to the Future. I've only seen Back to the Future once, which I suspect will disgust you. Um, I yep, just didn't watch any. Yep. I think we've we've had this conversation, and I can't really blame this on anyone but myself. When I was growing up, all the films that I watched were like kind of romantic comedy chick flicks that my middle sister showed to me, like Cocktail, Pretty Woman, Steel Magnolias. Whereas things like The Karate Kid, Back to the Future. Just yeah, not the, in my the younger brother's not going to get the choice of the VHS. No, they're not well. exactly. So, so yeah, it, that sort of stuff I absolutely love. But yeah, um, I only oh, watched Karate, Karate, Karate Kid five oh, years ago. God, just Karate Kid, what an awesome trilogy! Awesome I'm not trilogy. Seen, I'm not seeing a single <gasps> minute of any of it. No, I've only oh. seen the first one. Never saw. Yeah. Oh, no. you've never seen? Oh my God! Right, okay. I take it you've never watched Cobra Kai then, and I think I've waxed lyrical on this about Cobra Kai. Yeah, yeah I've well. heard you talk yeah. about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you need to. You need. They're on Netflix. You need to watch them as well. I'm just, so I'm just not sure I'm ever going to get this. You, I'm afraid to say. I'm really sorry. <sighs> I'm too busy watching Love Island for this sort of thing. So yeah, it's, just, it's a pretty good series so far, actually. To be fair, um, can I just throw out a good go documentary on. on Netflix for the UK audiences? Is the Wham documentary? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to watch. Yeah, that. I can't yeah. wait for that. Yeah. yeah, that is a hell of a watch. Really yeah. good. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, there we go. We the, the George Michael documentary on Channel Four 
relatively recently was really good as well. I don't know if you yeah. saw that one. Yeah, um, but very yeah. Har- very harrowing at the same time. Um, yeah. So they cut to another break before this got going, including another ad for the training center. And annoyingly, by the time we got back, this one had already started. Uh, we got a big OU chant after Williams bashed Gilbert out on the floor. Uh, and later the crowd reacted big to a press slam. Uh, Ross actually commented on the DiBiase situation later in the match and said he'd fallen out of the rankings as he didn't want his scheduled match with Dr. Death, apparently. So kind of not completely burying him, but kind of burying him a little bit. Um, they went to break again just before eight minutes of on-air match time. And during that, there were a lot of holds, arm locks, chin locks, uh, and not enough action really for my taste. Um, there was a lady at ringside with an excruciating voice shouting encouragement for Steve while he was trapped in the sleeper. I got that. Yeah, it's like, oh, God, yeah. please, you're doing my ears in. Uh, this sleeper that Steve Williams eventually fought out of. And then during what felt like this was the 18th hour of the second version of the sleeper, there was a kid at ringside Helping with the camera operator's lead. I don't know how. Uh, did you did you see that? Because I've got that. There looked like there was a child by ringside holding yeah. the camera. I know. It's like I'm not sure how I feel about Jim Crockett Jr. using cheap child labour in 1987. <laughs> totally weird. Um, it picked up around 13 minutes when Williams got on the offense, and just in time for another advert break. And we got the Elvis comeback special on VHS and Betamax. Betamax, Betamax. I don't know for 29.95. And that's 80 dollars in today's value. $80 for an Elvis comeback special. Does he shit himself to death during the during the the uh the VHS? I'm not sure. Um is that offensive? I I don't know. And I, do you know what? I think I, I think you'll find that was actually his 1968 comeback special. Okay, fine. Given some yeah. of the things that you can find about Elvis on the internet, I really don't care about slagging him off. So yeah, sorry if you're an Elvis <laughs> Presley fan. Um uh-huh. in yeah, in just under 14 and a half minutes of TV time, Williams got the pin on Gilbert after uh, Williams rolled through a top rope crossbody. Gilbert held on after the three count for Murdoch to come in with a chair and Magnum suggested Gilbert had sacrificed the match for this attack, which if that was the case was really dumb. Uh, Murdoch pilmanized Doc's arm with a chair twice on the top rope. Um, some no names tried to help and they got beaten down as well as, as the attack as the attack on Williams continued for some time. And eventually Barry Windham and a few others made the save and checked on Williams. I wasn't really that fond of this match here. Uh, while the post-match was interesting, I think I'd had enough of Murdoch during his earlier run in the company. Um, Ayers at ringside said it was disgusting and there may be a suspension or fine incoming. Uh, Mark, first, what did you think of the match and then the, the follow-up angle thereafter? Well, I felt like it was a match of two halves, really. Um, it started well with a you know big shoulder block from Dr. Death. Uh, Gilbert took a huge bump through the ropes to the floor, so that was a, a lively start. Williams did an incredible gorilla press slam where he was jumping around and he had one foot off the ground when he slammed Eddie Gilbert, which was incredible. Um, and then they went to commercial and come back and uh, Eddie Gilbert had his first sleep hole locked in and it slowed down, like you said, a lot. And and I felt like um, the crowd noise was dropping as well and we needed Jim Ross now more than ever to keep us interested. Yeah. But as he always does, that's when he started droning on about Steve Williams bloody American football career again. He said at one point, and I wrote the exact quote, this is the Orange Bowl. This is the Nebraska OU game. The Texas Oklahoma shootout. He's been under fire on many, many athletic climbs on the gridiron and in the squared circle. But wrestling, <laughs> wrestling fans don't care, Jim. Um, no, move on, Jim. I mean, Ronda Rousey was a mainstream celebrity around the world from her MMA career before she even started wrestling. But you never heard Michael Cole comparing her being beaten down by Charlotte Flair to the time Liz Carmouche almost submitted her with a neck crank. No. Um, it just wouldn't happen. Um, 
So, like I say, after a great first half, the second half had two long sleep holds from Eddie Gill, but the crowd did stay with them a bit. And after the third commercial break, um, Doc started making a um, stay, started making a comeback. Um, sorry, just before the commercial break, and that was terrible timing as well. I was the way the the staggered this, it, it just made no sense at all. No. And, then, and then the finish itself, um, I thought as as Eddie Gilbert hit a crossbody, which Doc rolled through and got the quick pin, it protected Eddie Gilbert a bit more than I was expecting. I thought Doc was going to crush him, and uh, it kept him relatively strong. Absolutely, Stu. Anything to add on this one? Um, not not a huge amount. Uh, I I actually quite enjoyed the match. Um, I, I like the fact that there was some serious TV time given to it. Um, I, I suppose the only thing, like uh, like I said at the start, I wasn't sure about. Him. I just found his 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 style very monotone as it was going through. I was finding that quite hard, but it, it did pick up more as it as it went through. Um, I, I, yeah, I think the sleeper holds killed the match a little bit, killed the momentum and stuff like that. Um, but like what Mark said, I actually thought the advert breaks were really poorly timed here yeah. because you know, like like in that when, when just before the Elvis one, um, Doctor Death he caught him, slammed off the top rope, two big football charges, and then bang, it was it was it was a break, and you you, you sort of like lost that that sort of momentum that was building with it and things like that. Um, so you know, in terms of the match, yeah, I, I, no problems with it. I really like the post match angle. Um, I didn't realise it. I, I watched it twice. The, I thought the chair was wrapped around his arm, but it wasn't. It was just laid on his arm, which I mm. thought was a little bit different um, and, and stuff like that. So, um, but I thought the post match angle was 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 really well done, and uh, um, and and sort of like you, you saw some wrestlers coming down. And I think I'll, I'll mention it when we go into the next match. It was almost like a bit like a bit of. Um, a mixture of heels and and, and 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 good guys for want of a better word coming down to try and make the save and stuff like that. But um but re- really good, really good post match angle, I thought. Um and, and it was nice to see the match get some pretty decent decent TV time. It felt like a big a big match, if you know what I mean. It had that big match feel about it. Yeah, and I think that that's a theme going forward for, through through these episodes. They're definitely doing a one long match in these shows now because obviously the booking of this has changed so um kind of the the way that the show is structured has with it um and, and one other good thing i thought that was was uh well done about this is they they kind of built up what had happened and they stayed on it quite a long time and didn't rush into the next thing which i think uh wrestling television particularly AEW is quite bad with that and i can think probably WWE at certain times have been as well but they really kind of stress this uh, we went to another break, and then afterwards we had Barry Windham beating the Red Devil, which reminds me of Manchester United, which makes me feel a bit sick, um, with his clothesline. And while Ross talked about how hard it was to see one of his friends beaten down in such a way and how he must have a broken arm, uh, either of you had anything, uh, have anything to add on this uh, the short squash? Um, well, I, I, so I can curb it what you said. I thought, I thought you know, they, they really built the tension up around the incident that had happened just before. I almost thought Barry Windham was going was a little, little bit heelish here. Really, he was really taking it out on the Red Devil, and yet the Red Devil was one of the people that came down to to try and make the save as uh, uh, as well. So I was just trying to get my head a bit around around that. But there was a lot of venom in, in Windham's like uh, uh, wrestling moves within the ring and stuff like that. But um, it was a squash job. Um, I, I, great drop kick, huge clothesline. But like you say, Jim Ross was very emotional through that. It almost took you away from watching that match because yeah. he was picking up on Ross's emotion and he was playing the best friend card there and 
And like you say, they continued to relive that incident throughout the whole show, which made it feel like a a, a really a big deal. So, uh, but but the match itself was 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 fine. It was just almost a little bit heelish from Barry Windham in terms of his aggression approach. level was kind of yeah. Thing. yeah. Mark, anything to add on this before we move on? Yeah, I mean, Stu described it there as Barry having a lot of venom. I, I felt like everything Wyndham did was good, but he was doing it all at double speed. It felt like sort of. Irish whip, power slam, drop kick, leg drop, suplex, move after move after move, and didn't give the crowd much time to take it in like we normally <laughs> see in squash matches like this one was. And uh, at first, I actually thought it might have been due to inexperience. He was pretty new, but then I remembered he, he was at WrestleMania as a WWF tag team champion in 85, and he was wrestling Ric Flair in 60-minute draws in 86. So yeah. it wasn't that. Um a little bit of trivia. Obviously, me and Stu always come out with stuff like this, but um, many people may know that Bray Wyatt's real name is Wyndham Rotunda, named after his uncle Barry. But what you might not know was that Wyndham Rotunda was born on 23rd of May 1987, halfway in between this show being recorded and airing on TV. Wow, very, I love it. Love it. Hell of a stat. That is great. That is great. Hell of a stat. <laughs> Hell of a stat indeed. Um, after the match, Ross said he'd seen a lot of bad injuries during his time in sports. Uh, William was one of his best friends. Um, well, I've got, I've got this messed up. That, oh, yeah, I know. Sorry, I get it. Sorry, this is what I watched the show weeks ago and I watched the third show yeah, today. So <laughs> there's quite a big gap. Basically, William said this that it was one of his... Uh, start again. After the match, Ross said he'd seen a lot of bad injuries during his time in sports. And uh, Williams was one of his best friends. And I wrote, that's not very unbiased, Jimmy, um, rather than me reading that and thinking someone had come on and said it. Uh, Magnum said it was the most disgusting act he'd seen in his life. Surely Magnum had been involved in angles much worse than this. I, I just thought, I thought the tone was a little bit OTT. Um, and they replayed again what happened. Uh, and back from break, Ross spoke to Barry Windham about it. And he said, some dudes were going to pay. He said if it was Murdoch or Gilbert, he'd be catching... If he was Murdoch or Gilbert, he'd be catching the first plane out of there. Ross said, looking ahead, obviously that was going to be... Uh, it was going to do something about the rankings, the fact that um, Williams might be injured. Wyndham said Ayers has a hard job, but he does it to the best of his abilities. He said it was a great honour to be number three. Um, I thought this went... I This was almost as bad as I did a job of reviewing it, I think. It's went round and round in circles. Stu, anything to add on this kind of never-ending segment? No, not really. It was a little bit, like I say, it was a little bit um, <clears throat> all over the shop. So, um, you know, uh, but genuinely believe that window would be a threat to threat to Big Bubbery. Made me believe that, but that was, that was about it. It wasn't, it wasn't great. No. Uh, Mark, any thoughts on this before we move on? I didn't make a single note on that interview, no. Good. Uh, Terry Taylor versus Davey Haskins next. Um, they shook hands and we saw a sign from a lady in the crowd with Terry, we still love you. And I very much love you, Terry Taylor. Uh, Ross said that Taylor was now like a politician and couldn't or wouldn't give you a straight answer. Um, Taylor switched during this match after hitting Haskins with an unprotected knee. Uh, Taylor shoved the referee away and continued the beat down, including a pile driver before the match was stopped as Taylor rained down punches. Um, Taylor's mannerisms as the ref remonstrated with him were great. And after the match, Taylor continued the assault and the ref reversed the decision and he was pushed over for his trouble. Uh, Post-match, Taylor was interviewed by Ross. Ross said that Taylor had been making some changes and Taylor said, yep, he'd rearranged that guy's face. Uh, the kid had tried hard to make a couple of cheap shots and he taught him a lesson. 
Um, Ross was good here. Try not to be too argumentative. And Taylor said it looked like Dr. Death was out of the top 10 to be moving up. I thought this was great. I love Terry Taylor. Who knew that Terry Taylor was an absolute god of professional wrestling? Um, Stu, what do you think of the match and the interview here? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I like like you say it was a complete attitude switch, wasn't it? Half, mm. Halfway through the uh, halfway through the match, but Haskins got in some quite stiff shots, I thought, on, on Taylor, and then he just he just then took it to a took it to another level. Um, you know, I, I like the way that he um, he 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 teased through in the figure four and then went straight in for some more stiff shots. I quite yeah. like that. So, uh, you know, quite a brutal pile driver. Yeah, it was just a it was just a complete. Um, yeah, really cemented his 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 heel turn, and uh, and I, I like the way they keep referring to the rankings now. There's sort of like that that motivation throughout the program, isn't it? It's about moving up and down the rankings and and things like that. So, uh, um, yeah, kudos to Terry Teller. Never knew he had that in him. So, uh, no, I so, didn't yeah, either. Yeah, Mark, thoughts on all this? Yeah, I agree with all that. Terry Taylor, I, I liked how it built. The match started. He was just doing your regular wrestling moves as you do, and he got more and more aggressive, just slightly as it went along until he, he completely lost it at the end. I liked it. Um, um, and then the interview as well. Uh, I liked the tension between Jim Ross and Terry Taylor because uh, Ross made it clear he wasn't trying to annoy or offend Taylor, but Taylor did get annoyed and offended by some of the question. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's definitely a theme of less happening on these shows and more emphasis on the big angle, which I'm not anti at all. Uh, but really, other than the kind of Williams, Gilbert, Murdoch stuff and the Taylor thing at the end, everything else was kind of drawn out or just skippable, which I'm I'm okay with because this this used to be um, very much like the early Nitros in that there'd be so much happening. There'd be an angle every single segment. It was just like too much. So the whole thing has slowed down massively now under, I guess Dusty was booking this at this at this time um, with, with, with various help. But yeah, I thought this was, this was, all of these feel like they're not necessarily exceptional, but I'm not sure. I don't think we're getting the dud episodes that we got towards the end of Watts Control when he was looking to sell. Uh, Mark, what did you what did you think of this episode overall before we move on to the the following week? Yeah, I've always enjoyed these episodes, which which over the course of an hour have a show long angle. Mm. Uh, I mean, we recently watched Big Bummer Rogers win the title from the one man gang. That was a long match at the start of the episode, and then as it, in between the other matches that followed. Everyone involved had a promo. Akbar did one for Big Bubba and everything, and and it was a show long story. I, I liked it, and and this this was another example of that. The entire first half of the episode was the match between Steve Williams and Eddie Gilbert. You had the post match beatdown, and that was still being talked about throughout the the matches that followed it. So it was a good TV episode, but I felt like I said earlier, the match itself was let down by three commercial breaks and two overly long sleeper holds. Yes, Stu. Yeah, I yeah, I, I really like this episode. Like I say, I like the fact that it was, uh, you know, you had a slightly longer match, um, although, like we said, hampered a little bit by the advert breaks, but, um, uh, and the general building of the storylines throughout the, I didn't think there was too much in this really, you know, it was like, it was, it was the, the Steve Williams and the, the, the Terry Taylor heel turn really, which was the, uh, the main things I have to say, you know, the, the Terry Taylor stuff was, was great at the end and, uh, you know, you, you left the episode on a high. So I'd give that a solid seven. Yes, indeed. I think it was, it was a very solid show. 
And now we're into June of 1987, the 6th of June to be precise, and the show starts with a recap of the Murdoch attack on Steve Williams. At ringside, Commissioner John Ayres, who'd had a hell of a lot on his plate, was with Magnum TA and Jim Ross, and Ross said they had to address first about the situation with Williams. Ross said it caused tremendous fever in the world of professional wrestling, and Ayres, wearing a sport coat, tie and blue jeans, pure 1990s teacher vibe, uh, said he'd thought about suspending uh, the baddies in this uh, because they'd gone beyond the bounds. Uh, but Williams had told Ayres not to suspend Gilbert and Murdoch because that would mean he wouldn't get a chance to wrestle them. Uh, Ross moved on to Terry Taylor and asked Magnum his view on both. He said that Taylor's attitude is getting worse, too cocky and he thinks he's above the rules. He said if it wasn't put under control, it would erupt and in into something they couldn't handle. Ayres said Taylor stabbed Adams in the back. He tried to hurt Steve Cox and he put his hands on officials and they were going to have to have a word with him. Would you all please just leave poor Terry alone? He's, he's doing his best. Uh, Stu, what do you think about this opening? Uh, I thought they all did the glove faces incredibly well. So, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, a horrible so... day. <laughs> yeah, bad day. So, uh, yeah, no, no, again, it was very similar to, 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 to the previous episode. It was a really good scene set for what was going to be coming up uh, coming up in the show and things like that. So, yeah, um, just, yeah, again, it's just, Ayers is a very, very monotone. It's quite, you know, after a while, you find yourself drifting away. But, um, but yes. no, what, 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 what they did was, was, was fine. And like you say, it just set the, uh, set the scene for the show. Yeah, indeed. Mark, what do you think about the opening? I, I struggle to put into words how I feel about John Ayers when he talks. It's, it's, it's unusual. I mean, he, he was saying all the right things, but I think, the polite thing for me to say is maybe he wasn't cut out for a career in television. Um, I thought Magnum really showed it, showed him how it was done when he got talking about Terry Taylor and um, yeah, the the put across the severity of what had gone on last week uh, very well, all three of them. Indeed, Baza Wyndham, as he's known to his friend, versus Ron Ellis to open the show. Ross said Ayers, with his cold eyes, had some big decisions to make. I think it's pretty harsh saying someone's got cold eyes. Isn't it? That's very very harsh, Jim. Uh, Ross talked about upcoming events at the Superdome and also their debut at the Summit in Houston. I'm pretty sure we've been to the Summit. Wasn't that the, the, what became the Toyota Center in Houston? We went to see Raw after WrestleMania 25, I believe. Pretty sure that is right. Same site, I, certainly, I think. I didn't put two and two together, but yeah, you might. Yeah, I think it's the same place. Um, right in the middle well, of the I match. I spent my 30th birthday. Yeah, that's nuts, isn't it? 30, crikey, that's a long time God, ago damn, now. God. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Uh, right in the middle of the match, it inexplicably cut to Skandar Akbar slagging off Williams. Ugh. He said he was finished, talked about the bottom 10 again, blah, 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 leave me alone, Skandar. He turned his attention to Wyndham and said no one was holding him back and they were ready, boy. They were ready to give an education. Uh, this is okay, uh, but I just can't stand taking notes. Skandar Akbar promos, leave me alone. Wyndham, it then cut back to the end of the match and Wyndham won the close like Mark, anything to add on this? Yeah, well, same as last week. Everything Barry Windham was doing looked good, but he was doing it too fast again. Um, mm. it, it was just when he twirled his finger round and round, like Jake Roberts would do before he hits the DDT. That's when I knew the end was near, but the cut away to our friend Skandar again. Um, Skandar. Uh, yeah, like I said, he sucks. Uh, maybe he didn't suck at one time, perhaps when he had a running world class, I don't know, but he has changed the channel heat for me on, on uh, yes. UWF. Uh, and then we went back to the match. Wyndham, Lariat, done. Dunzo. Shoe. Um, yeah, I I thought this was a little bit more slower than his last 
match against uh, against the Red Devil last week. It almost felt like it was getting back to a normal Wyndham type match, but again, it was you know same old, same old, and stuff like that. And again, I just think that the cutting away to Akbar just just ruined it again because you 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 missed the build up really to the Larry. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. was yeah, um, but yeah, he, he did. I think the only thing I picked about Scambar says he's going to have Bubba's going to have the title to the end of time. And offered Wyndham a match if he signs on the dotted line. So obviously teasing something for the future there. But but yeah, just I don't know why. Indeed. We then got an advert for something called Bikini Bear, which I guess is some sort of uh Veet-like product. What are your body trimming routines, chaps? Do you suffer from much body hair? You're quite hairy, Stuart, aren't you? I think. Am I have I imagined that? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was on my head. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all, really? Yeah. Um, um, I, chest hair, yes. Um, mm. Trimming, uh, no, I don't. I just, yeah, just let natural. it grow natural. natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not that. It's not that long. And uh, but yeah, my my trimming regime is a, is a shave and, and trying to keep my stubble as a as a as smart as I possibly can do. Although there's yeah, there's lots of grey coming into it now, unfortunately. That's so, all right. That's right. So, Distinguished, yeah. like George Clooney. Uh, Mark, yeah, what about well, you? Do you suffer with a uh, sort of animal-like body hair? No, no, uh, not a lot of it uh, from the neck down. Um, mm. And then my my beard itself. I have a beard trimmer that has no attachments, so I literally just grow my beard until it looks really silly, and then shave it off. Shave it all off and repeat i i have to veet uh, and i also just bought a body hair trimmer because my I, I don't do it all that often but mine looks like you know leo sayer basically on my chest when uh <laughs> it's grown so yeah it's just not it's not a great look to be honest um yes yeah it's terrible terrible sorry Stu, i i cut you in i cut you off then what were you about to say i had something about body hair routines oh, i can't remember what i was gonna say now uh, it's gone it's it gone becomes, I, I, it I, I was then looking up I was then looking at Oxy Clean Pads. I'm thinking, oh, that was because that was the next advert, wasn't it? So, uh, <laughs> and I remember using Oxy Pads when I was like 16, uh, thinking that they'll just clear all the spots up. So, tell you what, seeing them little round fluffy pads on that advert it gave me PTSD because in my teenage years, I was absolutely covered in that. Oh, were you? Okay. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, one time I fell asleep in the library when I woke up, a blind guy was reading my face. That's how spotty I was. Oh, dear me. Deary me. <laughs> um, I used to get the odd big one, but not like proper outbreaks. And no, I, used to, I never, no. I used to get, and I don't know whether this is because I wasn't washing properly. And I feel like, did you? Did either used to wear chains back in the day? Or do you now wear a chain? No. 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 So I used to wear a chain quite a lot in my mid-teens. And I feel like it gave me like a greasy neck. And every probably, I'd say every three to four months... I'd get like a very big boil spot on my neck, like near the top. And it was so high that you couldn't, like it wouldn't be covered up by a t-shirt or your school shirt. So you'd be sitting, you'd be conscious of it the whole time. I remember going like to like, maybe like the science museum or something with wearing uh, like a polo shirt and that boil sticking out. Very embarrassing. It <laughs> scarred me for life. Um, back from break, it was time for our tag team title match. The champions, Scott Steiner, no, Rick Steiner, not Scott Steiner, Rick Steiner and Sting defending against the Lightning Express team of Tim Horner. And Brad Armstrong is back. And it was great to see the return of the former North American champion to a Mid-South slash UWF ring for the first time on television since June of 1985. Wow. Where does time go when you're having fun? Um, and his partner was a mainstay in the early years of the show also. And I was genuinely excited about what was coming up here. Uh, Eddie Gilbert was at ringside. He moaned to Jim Ross about his dad being the referee in this one. Um, 
In the middle of the match, we got a UWF video break, which was the Freebirds in the recording studio doing The Boys Are Back in Town. And an advert appeared on the screen for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, where you could see the Freebirds every week. Uh, this video had appeared at least a year earlier, and it was a little odd as it showed them in a feud with Dark Journey, uh, when by this point they were faces. Um, both of you, anything to add on any of this stuff before we get back into the match? Because obviously this is right in the middle of a... Uh, you know, a, a prestigious a title match. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was more about um, uh, showing Hayes up, actually, because everything it was either bloopers or he was falling over or he was getting yeah. slapped. It wasn't exactly a uh, a positive light on, uh, on, on on Hayes at all, really. But yeah, no. was, I love Hayes, though. You know, he's great. So, yeah, it was good for me. Yeah, it was strange to place this. Mark, anything, any thoughts on this? Yeah, it was caught in between, like you say, the three birds being the victims, getting beat up or whatever, more than putting them over it, and even cutting to footage of fans holding up derogatory signs about them as well. Yeah. Um, but every time they showed a close-up of Michael Hayes singing, my mind immediately went to Stephen's line about the tough paper round. Definitely uh, Michael was on the, <laughs> on the receiving end of that. Um, Big time. I, I did like, though, uh, if you notice, the, the footage of Dark Journey slapping Michael Hayes matched up perfectly with a lyric from the song, because the show that, just as it said, that time over at Johnny's place, we'll get that chick. That chick got up and slapped Johnny's face. Ah. That says, um, our friend Joel Watts was on excellent form that night. Yeah, I bet that took him about 18 hours to get that <laughs> yeah. uh, in, yeah. in that time. Um, back from break, Sting went for a crossbody off the ropes, which the commentator's called an elbow, uh, and slipped off in what was quite a scary spot, but um, thankfully he was okay. Um, again, this match followed the philosophical change of recent weeks, a long contest uh, and that was featured that went through two breaks. Again, though, perhaps too many rest holes for my liking, but when they got going, this was good. Um, Ross did a great job, as you'd expect, putting over the importance of this match. And at just over 19 minutes of TV time, Eddie Gilbert inadvertently hit Sting with a boot and Armstrong pinned him in 19 minutes and 25 seconds to the joy of the crowd and the joy of this podcaster and the Lightning Express are the new UWF World Tag Team Champions. Uh, this is a great moment and the new champions celebrate at ringside. Steve Cox tried to sneak into the fun, which is annoying. But other than that, this was super. Mark, what do you think of the match and the title change? I felt like it was similar to last week's match where there was some long arm bars and headlocks at multiple times. Um in between the, the exciting moments. I mean, uh, I, I felt like both teams were wasting time doing these these holds because they didn't lead to anything. Like Sting, towards the end of the match, came off the top rope with big splashes twice, reinforcing the fact that all the headlocks that the, they'd put on him had zero effect. So that was a waste of time. And um, I mean, things really came to life towards the end there when Brad Armstrong got the hot tag. Um but then Tim Horner immediately came back in with fast punches and a drop kick. So again, all those um, holds that he'd been on the end of didn't have any effect on him either. But we got a title change. It's not often I use the word frustrating to describe a wrestling match. But yeah, just the stop start of it frustrated me a bit. Yeah, I, I, can, I do. I, I can see that definitely because I, yeah, there were times where it certainly dipped. Um, Shu, what did you make of this and the title change? I I I loved it. I went into this match right from right from the start. Um, I I I I didn't really notice uh, the sort of like the, the the slowing down of the match too much because I, I was just completely fixed in. But Ross's commentary, all the stuff that was going on around the match as well with Gilbert and and uh, um, yeah, I it, it 
I just left put it at the end that that felt huge because <laughs> yeah. it really did feel a, a big big moment and I think that's sort of like uh with with so like Sting getting in Gilbert's face at the end it almost feels like there's going to be a shift coming if you know what I mean in terms of Sting's persona and stuff like that uh because I thought Sting looked a million dollars in that in that match apart from the, odds, the the little sloppy move but he just looked a super you know his, his look he he is he he is and he went on to be obviously as we know uh, a total superstar but um you 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 did feel it was gonna uh, there's a shift coming in 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 that respect as well and I, I i just can't get over you know looking at steiner and and uh and um braun in nxw my god it's just it's it's they're just I, it's just a spitting image isn't it it's yeah. just cra- crazy really isn't it so uh but Steiner there is a, he's a seriously big dude isn't he I think I think yeah. we underestimated actually you know quite how in his later career I mean he was huge there wasn't he massive yeah. so uh but yeah I des- uh, oh, I des- sorry I described him in my notes as uncomfortably massive yes yeah, that's how he looked the Titan Sports protein shakes were certainly big with uh, Mr. Rick Steiner in uh, 1987. Uh, back after the break, Ross said the place was buzzing and Magnum talks about Eddie Gilbert being the undoing of it all. Uh, Ross said Ayers had been investigating Terry Taylor and they showed some footage of Taylor holding on to a figure four against Steve Cox, which I guess must have aired somewhere else. Taylor said to Ross after this, I know you're winded, so I'll give you a moment. But Taylor said brilliantly, no, I'm not. Uh, Taylor said he'd been hit in the ear during the match. so he couldn't hear the bell. Uh, Eddie Gilbert came out and defended Taylor and said he thought he should come with him. And Taylor said, thanks, but no thanks. Again, fantastic stuff from the king of the UWF. Uh, Stu, what did you think of this uh, this little segment and look back on uh, Taylor and Cox? Yeah, I, I, I thought that was quite interesting, actually, because you, you felt like Taylor wasn't quite... It was sort of like, at the end of it, you felt Taylor wasn't quite ready to make that big switch by aligning with Gilbert. Do you know what I mean? Just where yeah. he like, brushed him off. It was I thought that was really clever, really clever. Because um, it's it sort of like felt that Taylor wants to go out on his own. Um so yeah, yeah, it was a nice it was a nice little segment really. Again, Taylor was just just delivering again. So uh, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, what did you make of it? And the footage of Terry Taylor beating Steve Cox last week, it was by pinfall whilst in a figure four leg lock. And I just wondered, pop quiz, can either of you remember the one and only time the WWF world title changed hands that way? Uh, so I say can. That again. Stu, can you say remember? that again? Sorry, say that again, Mark. Can you remember the one and only time the WWF World Title changed hands with by pinfall while someone was in a figure four leg lock? He got pinned because he passed out through the paint. Shall I? Uh, shall I jump in? Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was when uh, Ric Flair won the title back from Randy Savage, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that they had to retape that because Vince McMahon didn't like it when it initially. So I think you get some close-in shots of them, and it's on primetime wrestling. So yeah. it'd be an interesting thing to to watch back. Um, yeah, because well, I didn't I, know I, until I, I looked into it for a bit more research. It was September the 1st, 1992, only three days after SummerSlam at Wembley. I didn't realise they'd done it yeah. straight away like that. Wow. I think it was it was definitely on on the television the following... We knew about it the following Sunday, I think, after, yeah. after yeah. SummerSlam, definitely. Back from break, Ross said there would be another talk with John Ayres and they threw to a recap of the Williams situation. Uh, back from another break, Ross with Taylor, who was wearing glasses and a sharp-looking suit. Ross said that Ayres had reviewed some tape and that some action was coming... Taylor said he thought Ayers was a great football player, but too laid back and he wouldn't get motivated to do anything. Taylor said he felt really good. The first time in a long time, it's exciting to go out against a young man like Chris Adams and pile drive him on the floor. And now he's two inches shorter. 
He said there's no more Dr. Death and no more Chris Adams, and pretty soon he'd have a title shot. Taylor said Ayers was doing a great job as long as he stayed laid back. More gold from the king. Mark, what did you think of this? It was excellent delivery throughout from what I'd describe as the new and improved Terry Taylor. Um, and, and I like how he cockily walks off camera again, which he's done before. I like yeah. that. He's said what he wanted to say. He's gone. Taylor, is, I, I don't even believe, I can't believe this is in this guy because I've never seen this anywhere else. He is phenomenal in this period of time in the UWF. Uh, Shu, what did you think of this? Yeah, he's he's certainly an MVP at the moment, isn't he? So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, not not really a lot else to add to that. Um, yeah, I just just love the new attitude, the swagger, the swagger he's got. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah all good for me. Indeed. Um, so after the break, Ross was with John Ayers at ringside. Ayers said Williams had a broken arm and a concussion, but he was going to be fine. But it would be a while before he returned. Uh, Ross said there would be some it would be a hearing with Gilbert's lawyers and Ayers said something needs to be done. It was right to have lawyers there in case it led to an indefinite suspension. Ayers was asked about Taylor and he said he wanted to talk to him man to man. Taylor jogged back out. Taylor patted him on the shoulder and said he was doing a great job. Ayers ran through Taylor's list of misdemeanors in a not very free flowing way. He said he needed to work out his problems. Uh, Eddie Gilbert came back out again and asked uh, him to let him guide his career again. That's Taylor rather than Ayers. Uh, Ayers then got in his face and said he needs to straighten up or they'd be out of there, uh, which then they left together, basically. Um, Ayers wasn't terrible, I didn't think, but I think this role would be so much better with a former wrestler who's got some charisma. Um, however, again, another solid to strong uh, wrestling show uh, following the kind of one long match formula. Um, Stu, what do you make of the June 6th episode of the UWF uh, and also this, this end bit as well with Taylor and Ayers? Yeah, so uh, I, I agree with everything you say. Um yeah, Ayers just he's yeah he he just hasn't got that that charisma that you need, has he? Really, um, you know. But he, he did undo his tie, which I thought meant he was getting a bit serious. So uh, there you go. So, yes. Um, I, again, I thought this is a, a a really solid a solid show. Um, you know, the, the the tag team title match was 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 great. Very very big huge moment. Um, yeah, and 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 again the the, the Terry Taylor stuff. Um, I liked a lot of the recapping. Uh, do you know what I mean? And um, and and just just Terry's general work on the mic is it was outstanding. So probably peaked for me last week's episode. So I'm going to give this a a uh, an eight. Nice, Mark. What are your what are your thoughts in this final segment and also the episode overall? Uh, well, Ayers started by saying that Doctor Death's concussion came about after he hit the ring pole which is the first and only time I've ever heard a ring post call that before. <laughs> um, but my interest did perk up when he called out Terry Taylor because he wanted to talk face-to-face. And, yeah, he quickly made Taylor and Gilbert uh, back off once he started laying down the law. And, and I thought the same thing you said, Steve, about uh, I was imagining um, Bill Watts in this position. You know, yeah. He's, he's an old guy, but he, could, he still had some authority, blah, 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 I think. I think that would have been a, a nice thing compared to Mr. Ayers, who, well, I laid my, my thoughts last week. Um, as far as the episode, I, I didn't rate it as much as last week because it was, it was an odd layout. I mean, there were only two matches and the second one finished 35 minutes into what was a 48-minute episode. Yeah. The final third of the whole show went advert break, training centre commercial, JR and Magnum discussing the tag titles, 
some footage of Terry Taylor, advert break, JR and Magnum discuss Eddie Gilbert, advert break, JR interviews Terry Taylor, advert break, JR interviews John Ayers. So, I mean, Jim Ross himself got altogether 11 minutes of screen time in this episode. So if you take out the advert breaks, that's a commentator being on, on screen for a quarter of the entire show. Yeah, which is um, too much, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, and some, separate from that, uh, someone in the YouTube comments, I don't know if you two ever read those for these episodes, um, for this video, someone wrote, I was wondering when it would get to the depressing part, and yet this is it. The Lightning Express winning the UWF tag belts is the dirt worst. And I thought, of what? all the things to complain about in the w- UWF in 1987, the Lightning Express being tag team champions definitely wasn't on the list. No, not Either at, at all. the time or now, looking back. No, I completely agree. Going back to the Watts uh, instead of Ayers, I suspect at the time that Crockett, because Crockett and Watts didn't really get on, and I think that Crockett probably wanted Watts nowhere near this, and I suspect yeah, yeah, Watts wanted no, yeah. no, nowhere near this as well. Uh, right, moving on to the June the 13th, 87 episode, which is actually, until I recently found it, um, not in the set of episodes that I was going to review. So this is a bit of a bonus, this one. Um, for those keeping up, um, I'm actually going to do, once Stuart and Mark have, have gone, I'm going to do a quick rundown of the June 27th show, because after that, we've got a bit of a gap, actually. Uh, and there's only two, there's only 10 UWF episodes left in existence. We, we'll go through over the next five months um we got a recap of the tag title change and then went down to ringside with magnum and ross and on the show this week we have terry taylor versus sting with eddie gilbert special guest referee as ordered by john ayres steve cox versus dick murdoch and i can't wait for that and magnum said cox had a heart as big as his mentor williams who would be there via video tape um Bob Bradley and Ron Ellis versus the Lightning Express of Tim Horner and Kenny Omega lookalike Brad Armstrong start the show uh, with this one having been taped in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, an interesting uh, thing from about Arkansas is that someone or people from Arkansas in the last week have downloaded something like 150 episodes of the podcast in the last week. Now, who are you? Who are you? And have you really listened to that number of, have you literally played like 30 seconds of it and just skipped on to the next one? Because what it's are you looking Callum for? What are you doing? Another, it's not Callum on another round the world thing, is it? No, I don't think so. And I, yeah, it's just, it's just really strange. Like it's, it's really strange. It's all in Arkansas. So yeah, if that's you, reach out to me because you didn't after I tweeted. Um, the champs won in one minute of forty seconds of this with what Ross called the coup de gras, which is an atomic drop into a leg drop, essentially uh, to a double team move. Uh, Post match, our heroes were interviewed, and Armstrong wished Williams a speedy recovery. Uh, Brad looked like an absolute adonis here and i thought he did pretty well on the microphone for someone that's kind of um had the rep of not being a, a great promo um ross talks about the popeye summer spectacular in the summit in houston and the western states heavyweight title being decided and we'll talk more about the western states heavyweight title in the months to come uh, mark first what do you think of the match and the aftermath um yeah the match had constant movement which i liked especially based on how I criticised matches in the last two weeks. It was constant movement and it didn't let up until the finish. Uh, it was just, it was bugging me, the move that they used to finish it. I'm sure another tag team in WWE used it from time to time. I think it might have been the Fabulous Rujos. And I could be wrong, you know, where they lift, one of them lifts the other one up in an atomic drop, like you say, into an elevated leg drop. It was really bugging me that. But I might be thinking right with Jack Rougeau, it might be the Quebecers, but mm. I, I thought you two might know. But then the post-match promo, I thought Brad Armstrong did a good job with it. Um, 
it just made me think, how must he have felt seeing his little brother, Brian, become a rich and famous superstar 10 years after this in wrestling's next boom period? I mean, Brad had a better physique. He was a better wrestler, in my opinion. Big Road time, Dogs yeah. promos were pretty much the only thing that got him to the top spot in the WWF. Yeah. Um, and I looked a bit further into Brad Armstrong. After he passed away in 2012, Jim Ross described him as being one of the more talented in-ring performers I've ever worked with and one of the most underrated all-time greats ever in the business, which is high yeah. praise indeed. Indeed. Um, Shu, what do you think of this? Yeah, uh, the match for, you know, for as long as it went on was was great, high 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 action and stuff like that. Um, enjoyed the interview after, obviously noticed Tim didn't get any mic time whatsoever. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a good opener to the show. So next up, we've got a UWF video break, uh, which is the Freebird singing Bad Shit. I've seen this before, so I want to pay much attention. But I, I, either of you guys seen this or before or not? And did you want to add anything on this uh, this music video? I hadn't seen it before. Um, it was an odd juxtaposition, I thought. It, there was close-ups of people dressed like punks with jeans, chains, fingerless gloves, skull and crossbones on the shirt, all that lot. And then Doc Kendrick struts into shot with his feathered mullet leather trousers and unzipped leather jacket pretty much the furthest thing away from punk you could imagine mm. share anything on this no no, probably, no. Probably on. <laughs> yeah we've got an advert for lee press on nails which would even survive hand washing i think if you're if you've got glue on nails surely you do need to wash your hands at some point because you can't be going to the toilet for a few days and just have a kind of film of wee and excrement on there because you're not going to wash your hands because you're trying to protect your nails, I would have thought. But I'm not sure any of us are experts on glue on nails, are we, really? Do uh, either of your other halves have uh, nails that are glued on at all? Shoe? Uh, Liz goes for her nails doing. Um, yeah, Charlotte uh, does as well, but not... Yeah, my mum gets this stuff, but not... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's about as much as I know, really. Yeah. She comes over and they look, they look nice and, and that's about as far as it goes for me, yeah. so... Absolutely. Uh, Ross welcomed the Fox affiliate, their new partner in Houston. They talked about what had happened to Williams. And next up, the TV main event, UWF God, Terry Taylor versus Sting. And this was called a UWF contenders match with uh, number four in the rankings, Taylor versus number six, Sting, who got a pretty positive reaction here. Uh, Gilbert was attired in a referee shirt, uh, so was clearly taking his duties seriously. Um, Sting got on the microphone and said they lost the tag titles due to a mistake by Gilbert and pointed at him. Um, Sting said, as the match was pretty important to him, he'd like a new referee as he didn't want any more mistakes made. Uh, and then Tommy Gilbert came out in, in an odd outfit. He had his referee shirt on, but jeans. So it's like halfway through getting ready for something bizarre. Um, and then another ref, Carl Fergie, came out and he took over duties uh, with Eddie banished. And according to Ross, Eddie was de dejected by all of this. Uh, they cut to a break uh, at this point and had Dusty Rhodes sitting at a patio table along with an unknown guy in a cap. It was a 29-year-old Tony Schiavone. I couldn't understand what was going on here. Did any of you get any anything that Dusty said or understand anything that was talking about before it just showed some clips of him beating some people up? I put on my notes, didn't understand a word, and just hit loads of elbows. Yeah, this was this was weird. Did you get any of it, Mark? I made out three words. At one point, he said Willie Nelson song in the middle of a sentence. Okay, great. Fantastic. So after... the, fo the footage oh, that they showed um, of Dusty in the ring was from the final of the Crockett Cup in April 1987, which was a match between Dusty and 
Nikita Koloff against Tully Blanchard and Lex Luger. Ah, the recently turned babyface Nikita Koloff it would have been, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. So we then got a Ric Flair kind of video package um, set to his Space Odyssey music. Uh, and this ended in the way that the Dusty one did uh, with a note saying, coming to an arena in your area. Um, after what felt like an eternity, we were finally back in the arena for the match. Uh, Ross talked about the Great American Bash tour upcoming and also how he'd had how he'd had a lovely breakfast with the Arkansas Security of State or Se- Secretary of Secretary of State. Secretary, Secretary Security of State. State. Yeah. Secretary of State. What am I talking about? Uh, what do you reckon Ross had? Did he have something light like an Eggs Benedict or do you think he smashed his gob with 20 pancakes drizzled in heart uh, problem causing maple syrup? What do you reckon, Stu? Uh, I'd, I'd have gone for the Eggs Benedict. A bit of holiday sauce, you know. Yeah. You know That's very, uh, very Secretary of State type uh, with some grated chives. I'm more an eggs royale man, if I'm honest, G. I'd rather the. Oh, I know. I like. I, like I, I, I must admit, I like an eggs Benedict. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What do you think, Mark? Are you are you a fry up man, full English, or do you like something I'm, a bit lighter for breakfast? No, I'm, I, I enjoy a full English from time to time. I think Jr. will have gone for a steak and some kind of uh, barbecue. Good. Yeah, I like a, I like a full English, but I must find like a lot of people have full Englishes before playing golf, but I find if you have a full English before you play golf, it's not worked its way through your system enough in time for the inevitable dropping the kids off at the pool. So you get to about the sixth hole. And if there's not facilities halfway around, you're in big, big trouble because you're going to have like that horrible dull ache the rest of the round. Um, I have to say, when I've had a full English, I'm usually, if I have a full English in the morning for breakfast, I'm done for the day. I can't eat anything else. I don't really, yeah, yeah. Just don't touch another thing all day. But you have to lose the mushrooms. Sorry, I can't just. Oh, really? Oh, can't have mushrooms, no. I've only recently embraced mushrooms. I used to avoid them, but I quite like them now. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what I think is massively overrated in a, in, a, in a full English, and I would choose not to have it, baked beans. What do you think about it? Is that controversial? I'd, I'd have them, but I wouldn't miss them if they were. I think scrambled eggs provide the kind of <laughs> juiciness that you need to combine with the rest of the textures. And I have on the bread... And maybe I could that sort of thing. I don't think baked. I, I feel like baked beans is just a nothing food. Well, okay, here's an interesting thing about baked beans. I actually saw on Twitter actually. Fifteen years ago, a tin of Heinz baked beans was forty pence. Mm. It's now one pound forty. Wow. Okay, that's nuts, isn't it? So that's uh, yeah. What, uh, what did you say? Forty pence, one pound forty. So it's a yeah. hundred and fifty percent increase in uh, cost, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Speak, speaking of alternatives, Steve, our canteen at work. If you order a full English, it's uh, bacon, sausage, eggs, hash browns, but they give you the option of baked beans or tomato. So that's another practical. Oh, I probably have tomatoes, but I like hash browns a lot. I think that's a great yeah. inclusion for no for fried bread. bread. Oh, and you a get toast, toast with it. Toast, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Fried fried bread though. Is there any fried bread up for grabs? Uh, not in our canteen. No, mm. I don't think you'd like it. <laughs> I don't mind fried bread, but I'm happy with toast. To be honest. I think fried, fried bread's a little bit try hard. Um, right, moving on. The match went to a break in 6.35, and thankfully this time no lengthy adverts or promos. They bumped the ref at just over 11 minutes. Um, Sting knocked down Taylor with a clothesline, and out came Gilbert, um, who took off his boot and gave Taylor it, who then smashed Sting in the face with it and got the one, two, three in 12 minutes and four seconds. Um, I didn't think this was all that dynamic. Um, it was fine. This is early Sting. You know, Sting by... The time he fought Ric Flair at Clash of the Champions was, you know, pretty bloody good, really. And I know he's in there with, uh, you know, 
probably towards the end of his prime Ric Flair, but Sting wasn't quite there yet, and and you can't really blame him at this point. Um, I also think it didn't really help that Sting hadn't been completely defined as a babyface at this point. Uh, Before we get on to what happened after the match, Stu, what did you think of of Sting versus Gilbert here in terms of the (laughs) stuff? Yeah, um, just one thing I wanted to pick up on just before I go into the match. I thought uh, when... um... When uh, Jim Ross was uh, just before the match, the kid, a little kid, came for his autograph, and I just thought he was brushed off very professionally with just a little, a little, a little royal wave, just on your way, son. I'm not Amazing. signing your autograph because I'm Amazing. on TV. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, I thought this was a safe match. I think is probably the best way I can I can describe it. Um, you know, it was it was there was some decent action in it, but. Yeah, I think they just played it a little bit, a little bit safe, really. I, I did like when um, um, Taylor wrapped Sting's leg around the the post and that, and then Jr. was giving us a bit of a breakdown about the inside cartilage and how that takes a pound in, and and you know, uh, so I thought that was quite that was quite good. Um, but yeah, it was it was yeah, I mean, it was okay. It, it was okay. I mean, obviously the ending was was designed to to uh, move Sting on that baby face. Uh, direction and, and and give more heat to uh give more heat to taylor so um yep. so yeah i think it was yeah it, it it worked for both parties but it was probably a safe ish match yeah great mark what did you think of the match to start off with uh well that kid who tried to get the autograph for the match um he, he won oh we've just lost mark there for a second how to react just 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 repeat that sorry marks we just we just lost you for a, a, a very split sorry. second. It was the autograph punter I noticed before the match who Stu mentioned. He walked away and put his autograph book in Magnum's face. Magnum didn't really know what to do about it. But credit to Jim Ross, he swatted his hand away without ever breaking eye contact from the camera and mixing up his words. It was very professional. Well, um, that's awkward giving it to Magnum because I'm pretty sure that it was his right arm that's the uh, yeah, problem. Ah, yeah, Yeah, because even in, even in Dark Side of the Ring, I'm pretty sure in... Uh, um, Kind of, uh, what do you call it? Con- con- convention that he was at. He was signing left-handed, and he, it wasn't a, like oh, a proper right, signature. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. The, st- the early part of the match, um, Sting said he wanted a different referee, so Tommy Gilbert came out straight away and replaced Eddie with Carl Fergie, which is fair enough. But that was the one and only thing that Commissioner John Ayres had made a decision about putting in a special guest referee for this match and it was immediately overruled so it didn't say much for John Ayres authority I didn't no. think no um, pathetic John Ayres when it went to commercial and we saw the Dusty Rhodes thing and, and everything I was expecting it to come back with a match in progress so it was quite refreshing especially considering last week that um, uh, they would have started the match after coming back from commercial Um It was striking to me how since turning heel, you can't really miss how much Terry Taylor had copied Ric Flair's style, I I felt like. Aside from the obvious physical similarity with the blonde mullet, the matching trunks, knee pads, boots, with his initials on the side. Um, He was doing, it's the moveset as well. He was doing elbows to the top of the head, chops, signature moves we're familiar with through Flair. Even the way he was selling, selling by begging off on his knees or shuffling backwards on his rear end. Um, Taylor even at one point did a snap mare and followed it up with a jumping knee drop. I, I just felt like this Ric Flair tribute act was making Buddy Landell look so, subtle. Um, <laughs> but Taylor needed to get the win to get into title contention. Sting was able to briefly get his heat back by pulling Gilbert into the ring and giving him a good kicking. So I quite like the outcome. 
Yeah. So after the bell, Sting grabbed Gilbert uh, into the ring from the outside and beat him down until Taylor made the save and tackled him off. Uh, they double teamed Sting until Chris Adams made the save uh, with a chair and he chased the bad guys off. Um, Adams played up really well how angry he was and he screamed on the mic that he wanted Taylor and he wanted him now in the middle of the ring. He called, called Taylor a low down bum and said that everyone had, t- had time to see what Taylor had done to him, including pile driving him on the concrete and putting him in hospital. Um, Ross kept cutting into this, talking about they need to go to break as Adam was asking Sting what side was on, which was really annoying. Um, Adam said, you know, was Sting with him or against him? And the crowd reacted big for this. And Ross was pretending to plead not to go to break, which I really didn't like. Uh, whoever's idea with this was, it just didn't work. Um, Sting basically indicated he was on Adam's side and they, and they went to break and sort of left together. But yeah, this was kind of spoiled by Ross. What did you think of this kind of way they did this, uh, Mark? And so it's a bit unusual, really, because obviously they didn't, they know they need, didn't need to go to break. And what was a tape show? Yeah, yeah, it was very unusual. Um, I, li- I like the running. Um, Chris Adams running off the heels obviously suggests the big tag team matches on the cards going forward at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I was paying more attention to the way Jim Ross was pleading with people in the truck than I was listening to what Chris Adams was talking about yeah. because it was mm. all going on at the mm. same time. And um, yeah, JR lost that battle eventually and went to commercial. Indeed. Stu, what did you think of the post-match here? Yeah, I thought uh, the, the, the thing I noticed was um, um, when Sting attacked Gilbert, I, I felt uh, Gilbert did a very much Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan type sell uh, to, to the punch that he, he took. Uh, it was quite a dramatic uh, uh, a fall and stuff like that. But yeah, again, it just just uh, just gave more credence to the storyline. But it's uh, Terry Taylor's new attitude. It was it's quite worrying to think three years later he was uh, strutting around WWE in a with a red rooster style um, Mohican. So uh, yeah, there, there you go. I think even two years, wasn't it? I think maybe two. Might, might be, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it was. Yeah, was it eighty nine exactly. on? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that he was on the 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 the, the first time I ever saw him and the, and the turn was on a there was a best of Saturday night's main event VHS, which I'm pretty sure was mostly around eighty nine. Did either of you have that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I Bossman think, Hogan I think that's in about a cage, the right isn't it? time frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Bossman and Hogan were in a cage when Hogan did the superplex on Bossman from the top of the cage. I think it was. The most incredible looking spot I'd ever seen in wrestling up to that point. I guess I probably had that tape end of 90, I would have thought, end of 1991. Right, moving on. Black Bart versus Bobby. No, completely wrong. We've got a backstage interview with Dr. Death along with Dr. J. Estwanick, MD. Uh, Williams had a big old cast on his left arm. He asked the doctor what he could or couldn't do before his big match with Dick Murdoch. The doc said, because of the crack in the radius, thank goodness you're supported by blah, blah, blah. Who knows? He said, all the broken bones take six weeks to heal. Thank goodness you're a little bit more healed. Blah, blah, blah. Williams asked whether he could do the things he enjoyed. Could he swim? Could he get a tan? Could he lift weights? The doctor said he could with the cast, but he had to take it easy. It's not made out of steel. Surely that's bad advice. Williams then talks about getting the car- cast wet. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? It sounds like we're getting an, an advert with like a twelve-year-old who's broken his arm. Like, oh, doctor, can I get my cast wet? Can I get people to sign my cast at school? This is about like, what is this? How is this in any way making me want to see uh, Steve Williams versus Dick Murdoch? Just this was crap, absolutely shocking. Stu, what do you think of this promo with Doctor J. Estwanick, MD? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't really. Uh, I, I didn't see how it. Um... If it was done to do, if it was done to sort of like promote 
Steve Williams coming back very soon. And I suppose it did that, but it was just a very curious, curious way to do it. And I like, yes. can I go for a swim? Well, I'm not being funny, <laughs> but anyone that's broken their arm knows that you just don't go for a swim with your cast unless you're probably not with no. one arm out the if you're just gonna paddle with one arm but then you're just gonna turn around in circles aren't you so yeah right, there you go so yeah yeah it, it worked great when it was just about the tan was you thinking he'd take the cast off so it was even like what is that so mark what do you think of this um first of all the body and thickness of dr death's hair was wonderful um <laughs> yes uh, uh, and uh yeah when Dr. Death was asking Dr. Esquank, whatever his name was, uh, if he could get his fiberglass cast west wet or not. It gave me flashbacks to the summer of 1994 because that summer I broke my ankle jumping from a high place thinking landing on my feet on concrete would be a good Ooh. idea to impress a girl and uh, broke my ankle. So Did it impress her though? Uh, it, I think what impressed her, I was in the next village and uh, I walked mile and a half home with my broken ankle. Wow. So I think, yeah, I got a, a tough rep for that. Uh, I didn't cry until I got home. So um, <laughs> it was a big hassle that summer, wrapping it in carrier bags every time I needed a shower or hanging out over the side of the tub whenever I had a bath. Yeah. And then when I went to school with it, we went back to school in September, one of my mates drew a penis on it and the teacher <laughs> gave me a telling off for it. I was the victim of a graffiti artist and I was the one who got in trouble for it. So... If you're listening, Mr. Pluchinski, you owe me an apology. Yeah, you do. You do. That's disgusting. Disgusting, Mr. Whatever your name was. Um, right. Black Bart versus Bobby Howe next. Bart won with the Texas compactor leg drop from the middle rope. Uh, and Bart seemed to be aligned with Skandar Akbar, who thankfully we didn't have to suffer through a promo of. I've got nothing to add on this match. Do either of you have anything to say about Black Bart versus Bobby Howe? Love the finisher. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. I thought it was off the top rope. I don't know. Oh, it, it may well have been. It may well no, have been. it was second. It was second. It, was second. Yeah. it reminded me of the first time I saw CM Punk do the Pepsi plunge because you took a good finisher, in that case, the pedigree. thought, if I do it off the middle rope, it's even better. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked it. I loved it. I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but perhaps, that I've, was <laughs> perhaps I've been a little bit unfair uh, to old Black Bart there. Um, next up, Dick Murdoch versus Steve Cox. What a treat. And Cox was back doing his classic cell job, which basically consisted of making the back of his hair shake. Uh, Murdoch won with a brain buster in two minutes and 47. And thankful, we're all thankful. I'm sure this wasn't any longer. Uh, Ross interviewed Gilbuck. Gilbuck? <laughs> Ross interviewed Gilbert and Murdoch. And Eddie talks about watching the footage with Dr. Death over and over again. And they love seeing that bone get smashed. And that's very niche entertainment. Um, Eddie said Williams wouldn't make it back but if he did Murdoch would be waiting uh, Murdoch said lots of people don't like Williams or Oklahoma or how Ross tried to put him over uh, and Murdoch told Magnum to be unbiased otherwise he'd drop him on his head in the ring um, I thought Murdoch was actually pretty good here uh, Mark what did you make of the of the match and also uh, the interview stuff at ringside thereafter well poor old Coxie doesn't even get an entrance these days does he no. but, um, I reckon the bloom <laughs> was off the rose by this point um, yes I felt like it was a bit boring, nothing to it, but the match-ending brain buster did look great. And yeah. then, uh, the same as the match, the promo went the same way. It was a bit boring with a cool finish when I liked how he said, don't worry about the mule, just load the wagon. Which, yeah. from, from context, I guess it means don't worry about what you can't control, just do your job and things will be okay. Things will be okay. Stu, what do you think of all this? Yeah, it was all, yeah. I, 
I thought the Brain Buster was quite pedestrian in its execution. It, was, it felt very slow. Um, I quite like that in a sort of weird way. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like, I don't know, like, pur- like purposeful rather than, yeah, I don't know. I know what you mean. That was slow. It was a bit slow. Yeah. 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 Not, no, it was just the, not the, not the hanging him up in the air, but the actual just coming down. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Yeah. Felt very, very slow. So, uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. And then the, um, yeah, the 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 uh, the interview afterwards and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I thought Dick was great on the mic. Really, really was, and he, he even threatened Magnum TA as well, didn't he? And uh, yeah, yeah, re- really, really good, really good mic work. Poor old Magnum. Uh, the dual driver uh, drill advert was cruelly cut off when interview with Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy. Hayes asked if Little Rock were ready to rock and roll. He said something about strutting like a cockatoo until he was ninety nine. Uh, Gordy said he respected Williams a great deal, and they would fight anyone who stepped up to them all night long. Hayes said they never had been best friends with Williams, but they had to respect him. Uh, and then after the break, we were joined a match in progress with the Freebirds of Gordian Hayes, who's the angel of dreadful wrestling matches, and Mike Boyette. Uh, the angel of atrocity gave up after a few minutes, and Boyette was slammed, and that was that. Uh, Stu, first, what do you think of uh, the promo of the Freebirds, and also this, what purported to be a match that happened thereafter? <laughs> Well, the Freebirds are always great to listen to, aren't they? So, yeah, no, no issues, no issues from that respect to me. Um, yeah, the match. Boyette's hair was great. Yeah, Boyette's the one that's never won, which is which is interesting because they, they definite they... hair, definite hair envy were going on there. So, yes, uh, so yeah. yeah, I haven't really got much to say about it. To be honest he's, with you, it was, if uh... it makes you feel better, she's probably dead now. So, um, you know, that's <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Mark, what did you think of this match? I'll look that up while uh, while we're talking. I'm, I'm going to look it up now. Just looking. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, I disagree with Stu there. I didn't enjoy the promo. I, I'm just not a fan of the Freebirds as good guys. I just don't think it works. Um, and then the match, what well, is three of the hairiest dudes in wrestling and a bald guy, wasn't it? Um, uh, boy, it was the third match in a row that ended with a cool move. This one being the Bam Bam Slam off the second rope. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that part. Uh, poor Mike Boyette died on the 6th of December 2012. So I feel a bit bad about that comment now, but um, it was accurate. Um, so uh, what do we get next? So then we then got a promo with Shas- Shaska Watley and the Enforcers who were dressed in totally bizarre red and yellow tights and full sleeve tops almost like the Blackburn Rovers kit. And now that is a reference that, not the same colours, but the same style, that is a reference that 75% of our listeners will not understand. Google Blackburn Rovers. Um, Shaska Watley was also known as Pez Watley. And I remember him doing jobs in the WWF when I first started watching. And I was too busy researching him to pay any attention to what he was saying or whether this is any good. So Stu, why don't you tell us what he said, if you've got that in your notes, and also, was this any good? Um, Again... I didn't really understand much about what he was rabbiting on about, to be honest with you. I was more looking up, did the Enforcers look like the Conquistadors from from like the, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the very first Survivor series? But the, then I remember the Conquistadors were all in gold, weren't they? So um that that's about as far as it got. But whilst whilst we just draw seamlessly back to Mike Boyette, according to Wikipedia, uh uh he was relegated to a jobber and wrestled in the UWF and had a total of 197 losses. Blimey, incredible, so, incredible. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I felt the the end to this show was a bit haphazard. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Um, it was just a bit messy, um, and I thought it was a strange way to end the show with 
the enforcers and that. It was just it didn't work for me. So no, um, I, I, I nor, agree. nor did their wrestling outfits. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to look now who was who who was under the masks. Why don't you look that up, Mark? Why don't you tell us what you thought about Shaska here? Uh, did you know Shawn Michaels was a Blackburn Rovers fan? I have seen obviously, this clip. Yeah, obviously, that's not true. Clearly, he's not a Blackburn Rovers yeah. fan. But I think it was for Sky Sports or something. They interviewed him in 1995. Yeah. So he was cheering on his favourite team, Blackburn Rovers, who won the Premier League that year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, when uh, they walked out, I knew straight away that Shaska Watley was the man I know as Pistol Pez Watley. Yeah. Because um, I don't know if either of you saw the episode of Louis Theroux's Weird Weekends when he did a wrestling episode. Oh, yeah, many, um, many years ago, yeah. He, he he ended up at one point in that documentary at WCW's power plant, and Pez Watley was one of the trainers. Oh, okay. Um, the other one being Sarge Dwayne Bruce, who got credited with training Goldberg, and I think he was on WCW TV a few times in Goldberg's uh, run. Um, and he was totally over-the-top bully, making all the trainees do drills until they vomited or they quit or whatever. I do remember Pez Watley was far more pleasant and helpful. Okay, yeah. And uh, there's a couple of scenes he's talking to Louis Theroux, helping him with his promos. Um, so that that immediately came to mind when I saw it. Um, he ended up being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2021 as one of those legacy member things they do when they induct multiple people. Really? So technically, he's in WWE Hall of Fame. So legacy week. Is he no um, longer with us then, Pez Watley? Uh, no, I think he passed away relatively recently. Um, I didn't look at the dates, but um, yeah, I, I didn't make any notes as to what he was banging on about in that interview. But yeah, it just brought back the memory of Louis Theroux's Weird Weekends. I don't know if it's online, but it's a great episode. Yes, yeah, probably, what would that have been, 98, 97, 98, something like that? Around that yeah, time? it was yeah. filmed around then. Yeah, there was. Yeah. It, He's backstage at WCW with like Roddy Piper and Macho Man. Yeah, that. it was good. Um, so in terms of this episode, I, I you know, the Sting turn, I guess, was interesting. Uh, but I can't say I was too into this this third week of TV. And I think what you said, Stu, is is right. It was really haphazard at the end. And I thought this was the weaker weakest of the three that we've watched. Uh, Mark, what are your final thoughts on the June the whatever it was episode thirteenth episode of uh, the Universal Wrestling Federation? I think I was a bit higher on it than you were. Um, I thought there were four really cool finishes out of the five matches. And the best match of the five, Sting versus Terry Taylor, was the only one with a screwy finish. Um, I liked the balance this week. With There was plenty of in-ring action separated by live promos in the arena and a couple of pre-recorded promos too. It's good. Uh, Stu, your thoughts? Yeah, um... Yeah, Sting against Taylor was good. I, I'm, I'm struggling to find anything on the enforcers, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to uh, do a bit more research on that. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Stephen. I thought this was the weaker of the three episodes that we reviewed. It was still it was still okay. It was there was nothing terrible about it, but the like I say, just the ending was a little bit haphazard. So uh, I'm going to give this a six, six, six out of ten. Excellent, gentlemen. I thank you so much for your efforts. And I haven't decided what I'm doing for the final episodes as of yet, but you will certainly be invited in some form or fashion to be part of that final show, which is not far away now. However, spoiler alert, we will hopefully be doing, if everyone's available, our prediction show in the start of January. Definitely. Thereafter, who knows? Who knows? But I'm going on sabbatical. I need to put my feet up when it comes to my, my podcast. 
for some time, I think, to come. Because, yes, the amount of hours I've put into this is is a lot. A lot. <laughs> unless we get yes. that Airbnb for, unless we get that Airbnb next year for WrestleMania, which then we can just podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, I might, I might, I might do the odd. I might do the odd. I, th- I think what I'm going to do, uh, you know, look behind the curtain here is I'm certainly the archive because you have to you have to pay to keep the host up. So I don't want. I certainly don't want all this stuff to be lost just immediately at the end of the year. So it will definitely be up for next year and probably the year after that. And I suspect I'll continue on random wrestling review as long as I'm wanted. But I think that's the difference. Trying to do a WrestleMania a month, which is quite a long show, it getting even longer. Plus, doing this is is quite challenging in terms of in terms of free time for both, mainly for the for the watching it rather than the recording because the recordings are always the best bit. But I think I'll probably do the odd the odd show next year if there's a big, you know, AEW show or New Japan show that I'm interested in. I'm watching and there's people around to to do a review. I'll probably do that. But mm. yeah, in terms of taking up another promotion and doing week to week TV, I think that. This is it. I'm tapping out now. So, um, gentlemen, I really appreciate it. Any final words before I let you two go? Uh, I have, actually, but it's quite a long one. So I go, shoot. I wanted to address something after I heard you and Dan discuss the subject a while back. Okay. And then you and Callum discussed it a few weeks ago as well. I'd like to issue a, a rebuttal on behalf of the fans who wear what you perceive to be the wrong <laughs> shirts to wrestle <laughs> Yeah, go on, go on. Because not everyone can afford the, frankly, insane postage fees that comes with ordering a shirt from AEW supplier Pro Wrestling Tees when we're here in the UK. A full-price shirt plus postage, you're usually talking around 50 quid in my experience. Wow, okay, yep. Um, WWE shirts, however, can be found in your local supermarket's clothing range or on Amazon or whatever for 10, 12 quid. So if somebody who picked up a cheap supermarket WWE shirt had the chance to go to a non-WWE event, be it a local indie or AEW at Wembley Stadium, for example, that would be their chance to be among other wrestling fans who share their passion for the wonderful art form that is professional <laughs> wrestling. make you feel bad about this. So you probably wouldn't want to wear one to the pub or to a barbecue at one of your wife's mate's houses or to a restaurant for a meal, but a wrestling show, any wrestling show, go for it. Wear your wrestling T-shirt. All right, fair enough. There are some exceptions, because when I attended an NXT TakeOver in which Kevin Owens main evented, for example, a few years back, there was some idiot in the queue outside wearing a Ring of Honor Kevin Steen shirt, and he was actively having a pop at all of the fans wearing NXT Kevin Owens shirts. But I'd say those kind of fans are in the minority. So to any listeners out there who have been made to feel inferior (laughs) by comments they may have heard on previous episodes of this podcast, I see you and I'm here for you. If I see you walking down Wembley Way, heading to All In, wearing an LA Knight shirt, I'll give you a yeah and a high five, no questions asked. I just wanted to put that out there. Look, you you can you can ha- you can ha- and that's a, that's a very eloquently put. I still don't get it. I don't get it, Mark. I'm really sorry. I don't get it. I don't get it. I think I think a WWE show an indie. I can I can get behind that. There's you you know I was at Re- uh, Rev Pro the other night and there was Austin three sixteens and various things. But I think wearing a WWE shirt to an AEW show or an AEW shirt shirt to a WWE show is a weird statement. I think that's a line that I, I don't think... Uh, no, I, I think of the 90,000 fans in Wembley for AEW, I don't yeah. think they're all AEW viewers. I think just, wear, a, just wear a T-shirt. 
Just wear a just wear a normal jersey. It doesn't have to be a wrestling shirt. Just wear something else. I don't get it. I don't get it. The worst example of the lot. What was the worst example of this ever? Someone wore something excruciating backstage at a WWE show. Oh, that was uh, David Benoit. Yeah. Wearing an AEW hoodie. Yeah. It's like, what are yeah. you doing? What are you doing? Ridiculous. Yeah. Horrific. Yeah, that, yeah. No, no, yeah. no excuse for that. But anyway, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll get stuck next to people. I mean, I, I think we're going to be seeing people wearing WWE title belts. We're going to be seeing everything at Wembley. There was there was a kid sat in front of me uh, uh, two days ago at Rev Pro with a WWE spinner belt with his mum and dad, and he was he was so funny all night because he was holding his belt up to all the heels and getting into it, and every single heel was like, "That's a fake belt, that's a fake belt." And Michael Oku, you, you know Gideon Gray, don't you? Has he been at yeah. some of the things that you've done? Yeah, been to. So Michael Oku was over the other side of the, uh, and I must I must shout give a shout out to Rev Pro and the booking of that main event, Michael Oku. You know, hometown favorite versus great O'Connor. I'm thinking this is going to be not all that good, but they booked it so so well. It was so dramatic and exciting. But anyway, during the match, great O'Connor threw Oku through a load of chairs over the other side of the ring, and um, Gideon Gray was walking around ring. So I go, he's dead. He's just, like like this. He's going. He's dead. He's dead. Michael Oku's dead. I'm really. He's dead. There's something we do about. It. He's dead. And then the kid, the kid was like, he's going to beat great O'Connor. He's going to beat him. And and Gideon Gray looked right in his eyes like. Michael Oku's dead. He's not beating anyone. <laughs> I'm like, what? I, was like, I was absolutely cracking up. And the guy behind me was cracking up. So it, was such, it was such a good event. That's the, that's what we should... I mean, I don't know what... Um, I'll, I'll let you know about the Rev Pro, but I don't think I'll be going, Mark. So you, you're very oh, welcome okay. to my yeah. tickets. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just going to wait another couple of weeks to see. Um, I think the car will be very, very good, but I don't see anything that's going to make that that statement or argument worth worthwhile by the way you know gadget who we, who we yeah. both know he yeah. mentioned to me on uh sunday that he'd heard that the original plan was to get mercedes monet at the copper box oh really um, yeah which i don't know whether she's going to be back in time and that, i mean that, that no that... it's all up in the air i was wondering yeah. about all in yeah yeah because i i saw a uh, like a artist impression of her and julia which would be like yeah. that would be insane i mean I, that would be incredible at all in so you can do it, but they're neither of them are AEW, are they? But we'll, we'll see. Anyway, sorry, I've taken up both of your time too much. And I will ask the question again. Any more final words, but no hate speech about my thoughts on wrestling t-shirts? I'm quite impressed with yet. Trish's comeback, I have to say. Yeah? Yeah, she's doing well, 47 years old. She got she got smashed up in that ladder match, or didn't she? So yeah. taking Oof, some, some brave bumps. That, 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 um, that, that move, that... Uh, oh, God, and the name's gone out of my head now. Who's, who's Trish's... Um, so oh, Zoe Stark. Zoe, that 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 fall onto the ladder was wow. That were pretty epic. I mean, so, yeah. one thing I meant to say at the start: WWE are on absolute on fire for pay per views this year. Yeah. I think every one since the Royal Rumble has been really good event, and yeah. I'm usually very very critical of WWE pay per views. The the pacing and the timing of the shows is much better now. I think, yeah, definitely. Right, I'll let you both the go. The crowds are oh, sorry, trying Mike. to outdo each other. We had Puerto Rico, we've had London. The crowds are trying to take it to the next level each time and it, it's really adding to it yeah absolutely and i think i think summer sam looks pretty strong on paper as well so yes excellent right gents thank you both very much stay tuned for a quick recap of the june 27th 987 episode of the universal wrestling federation so on to the june the 27th 987 episode and my intention my intention was to play some promos and stuff from this episode but the, unfortunately the sound quality of the video on youtube which you can check out for yourself if you search uwf 987 0627 um is so bad that it's just it's just impossible I, I, i'm not gonna um 
put you through having to try and listen to this show. So interestingly, um, this is, again, a departure from the kind of usual UWF shows um, in that this show opens with um, st- with basically Jim Ross and Magnum TA backstage in arena. Uh, and they show um, a, quite a you know, five minute sit down with uh, Steve Williams and Jeff Spitzer um, at the start talking about um, Williams's injury. And then they cut back to a match from June the 13th in the Superdome. We've not seen any stuff from the Superdome for so long. Uh, and this was Williams versus Dick Murdoch. Uh, and this took up, you know, a good 16 or 17 minutes um, of the of the show. And, and it ended with Steve Williams getting the pin and then being confronted uh, by Big Bubba Rogers. So, yeah, quite interesting that obviously Dick Murdoch was was beaten here on television. Um, and I, I just wonder what the kind of what the kind of thinking was um, around that, because clearly, you know, this had been built up over time. We have skipped a week in the the episode from the 20th of June, uh, unfortunately is not available. And I'm just watching the show here and, and basically Big Bubba, who looks absolutely ginormous and much taller than Williams, uh, is in the ring at the Superdome, um, sort of challenging Williams. And now Williams is being beaten down uh, by Dick Murdoch and Eddie Gilbert. So yeah, he got the win. Um, but I guess, you know, the old saying, they're getting their heat back, which I'm not something that is, I'm a great believer on or believe, great believer in. I think you keep your heat by winning. Um, they're beating him down now. So, yeah, just an, just an interesting um, interesting net there. And, and Murdoch was around uh, there after this. So it wasn't like he was you know, about to lead the promotion. So slightly strange uh, they showed this. But um, I guess their thinking was... Let's put a long match on TV that will get the people excited um, and we'll still build up. And actually, I think, yeah, Dusty Rhodes actually is in there and he's he's beaten down um, everybody and they're all selling for him. I wonder why they're selling so much for Dusty Rhodes, the booker. Actually, to be fair to big old Dust, they're beating him down as well now. And I wonder if he's going to get colour. Yeah, I think he's leaning into his head as I as I speak. And I, and I suspect he's bleeding. Yes. Oh, they're about to hit him in the head with something. So... Yeah, I'm sure big dust will come up bleeding. And Murdoch's actually just hit the referee in the face. Well, so pretty heavy duty angle here. So I guess that sort of explains a little bit more why they are choosing to wear this. So after all that, we've got a Dusty Rhodes promo, a, a bloody face Dusty Rhodes, uh, basically building up the great American bash matches that were to come. Uh, and then we've got a training sequence um, with uh, Big Bubba Rogers showing and kind of Akbar putting him through his his paces. So what what we would get at um, some of the events thereafter were a tag team match with Steve Williams and Terry Gordon, which is an interesting combination uh, facing Dick Murdoch and Eddie Gilbert. Um, you also got Dusty Rhodes and Steve Williams against Dick Murdoch and Eddie Gilbert around this time as well. So that that was the that was the kind of things that were going on. Um, Steve Williams was against Dick Murdoch at several of the Great American Bash tour matches. Um, again with tag team matches with Terry Gordy as well. So yeah, an interesting you know interesting twist there in terms of showing that long superdome match after that as i said you got the you got the training sequence with big bubba rogers and then you got um chris adams versus rick steiner in a match that basically ended when black bart came in and interfered and attacked chris adams with a branding iron and that's the whole show so the whole show is literally the sit down with um with dr death at the start the dr death uh match then you've got the post-match stuff, the Dusty Rhodes promo. You've got the the training sequence, and then you've got Adams and Steiner. So I'm glad actually that this the way that this episode has fallen that, that we haven't done a traditional review for this one because as we talked about, they are really slowing down. Um, you know, their storytelling. As I'm just watching Chris Adams being destroyed by Rick Steiner and Black Bart here, they're really slowing down their storytelling um, and just doing far less on each of the shows. 
uh, Chris Adams is busted wide open, uh, sort of uh, one of many bleeders on the show. And Sting is out to make the save. So Sting, the full full baby face hero now, as the as the fans are going going nuts in the background. So it's it's interesting, and I, and, I, and I'll read at the risk of this being the most boring thing that's ever been done on on podcasting. It's just um, so I I find it interesting just to, to see you know what is out there. So so the story as it goes is that Crockett didn't keep all of these tapes. Clearly, um, though, I believe someone found a load of old UWF tapes in like an air conditioned unit. But in terms of stuff that's available on YouTube, and I, and I do regularly search to see if any, any more is up, of, his, of this is uploaded. But I do think this is about it. So, so what I've talked about today was the June the 27th um, episode of the Universal Wrestling Federation. And from there, we skip forward to August the 8th, my mum's birthday. So wish um, Mrs. Coriander a happy birthday. Um, she's not on Twitter. Um, don't add her on Facebook. Um, yeah, it's creepy. Don't don't do anything with my mum, actually. Um, yeah, August the 8th, uh, and then we go to August the 15th, August the 22nd, and then we skip forward to September the 26th, another skip forward to October the 17th, October the 31st, November the 7th. So we've got a couple of episodes back to back there, which will be good. Um, November the 28th, December the 5th, and then the final episode of the UWF that aired on December the 26th. That's Boxing Day um, for UK listeners. Also, I believe that they call it Boxing Day in Canada. So we have got 10 episodes of this promotion left to review, um, which is which is really sad, actually, because we are, you know, we are legitimately coming to the end of the road now. So um, as always, thank you very much for listening, everyone. We shall speak to you all again very, very soon.
I just didn't care. You just don't understand how much I love you, do you? I'm here for you. I'm not out to go out there and cheat all night. Just like you did, baby, but that's alright. I love you anyway. And I'm still gonna be here for you to my dying day, baby. Right now, I'm just in so much pain, baby, because you just won't come back to me. Will you? Just come back to me. Yes, baby, my heart is lonely. My heart hurts, baby. Yes, I feel pain too. It's unnatural. It's unnatural.